0: National League Least The Phillies Struggles continue As do the Braves We'll break down The Phillies Disappointing week Not disappointing Was the Iron Pigs Season They swept The International League Awards Pat McCarthy Will talk to us About the Iron Pigs Wonderful season Which just ended This weekend This and more On Philly Station Episode 54 love Stand up Hands up Hands up That's where I now. Like Welcome to this Phillies Nation podcast number 54. I'm your host, Frank Close of SportstalkPhilly.com and 97.3 ESPN. Very, very disappointing week for the Phillies. I've long been pointing to this, stre- this stretch of games and saying how key it is to the Phillies' season. The Braves had three against the Boston Red Sox and then four against the Arizona Diamondbacks who are really right there in the playoff hunt in the National League West. The Phillies, meanwhile, they had three in Miami against the Marlins and three in New York against the Mets the Phillies took just one game from the Marlins and just one game from the Mets. The Phillies have not won a series, all right, since, get this, the beginning of August when they had a four-game sweep of the Miami Marlins. Ever since then, it's been rough. Now, the Braves, meanwhile, Haven't done so much better. Now, what ended up happening is the Braves get swept by the Boston Red Sox. Phillies only pick up one game. On an off day for the Phillies, the Braves lose one to the Arizona Diamondbacks. And despite the Braves' bullpen blowing pretty much, well, there were two direct blown saves of the traditional variety in the ninth inning for the Braves. And both of those games, despite Arizona coming back, they still won. Now today's game, Sunday's game, was the worst. Now the Diamondbacks went into their top of their their ninth inning and in their their park. All right, so in other words, three outs for a save, up on the Braves, four to three. The Braves score 6 runs in the top of the ninth to take down and stun the Arizona Diamondbacks. So that very well could have been a four-game sweep for the Diamondbacks, but the Diamondbacks have struggled. Now the Braves their bullpen also has struggled. Now if you take a look at how they uh, they fared along the way, now the the loss that the Braves had to the Diamondbacks Patrick Corbin gave the Diamondbacks a great start, as we would expect. Okay, so Pat Pat Corbin, by the way, we we really got to see what what the Phillies are doing with him this offseason, but that's a discussion for another day. And Brad Boxberger, the closer for the Diamondbacks, earned his 32nd save during that loss that the Braves had to the Diamondbacks on Friday. Now, the series opened... With a win in which Jesse Biddle, former Phillies prospect, blew a save. He allows two in the bottom of the ninth to tie the game up. The Braves get one in the tenth and fail to score. And the Diamondbacks fail to score after that. So game one was a blown save. Very well could have gone against the Braves. Game three, we see once again the Braves bullpen lets them down. So the Braves have a lead of, of uh, uh, pardon me, they they did not, yeah, so they had a lead uh, of 3-2 to two, heading into the bottom of the eighth. The Diamondbacks score one in the bottom of the eighth to tie it. And after a scoreless ninth, the Braves score two in the tenth to win it 5-4. to four. And then Sunday, Boxberger, complete mess, Gets the seventh loss of the season. Uh, and the Braves have a tremendous comeback. Capped off by an Ender Enciarte three-run home run. Now, Enciarte is a guy that's had some struggles this season. The former Philly Rule 5 pick that they opted not to keep uh, in favor of the likes of, of Delman Young, for one, uh, who eventually had the job. Uh, but Ezekiel... Carrera was the one that was the immediate casualty when the Phillies gave NCRT back to the Diamondbacks, and he ends up hurting his old team And, and as NCRT headed over to the Braves in the trade for Shelby Miller, which was very much in the Braves' favor we know now. But the Phillies lose an opportunity. So if, even if the Braves took three out of four from the, the Diamondbacks as they did, and got swept by the by the Boston Red Sox. Okay. Three game sweep. That's still a losing week for the Braves. Yet, Phillies lost more. So with all that going on, the Phillies right now, at this moment, and again, we always we always record this Sunday night with the idea that We'll broadcast it on Monday morning, although you might be listening at a different time. The Phillies now four and a half games out of first place in the National League East. Granted, it's not over per se, but it kind of sees where you can kind of see where this is going. Where the Phillies are really getting tripped up right now seems to be they're starting pitching. Zach Eflin, not great. Vince Velasquez, not great. At, at various times, Nick Pavetta, not great. And the Phillies did not add a starter at the trade deadline. Now, they might have to consider giving some of these starts to somebody else down the stretch. Now, Jared Eikhoff finally pitched an inning the other day, but it was just that. One inning, and he ended up allowing one run in his first Major League appearance and over... A calendar year. But behind Eikhoff, who's next? Philly's got one nice start out of Daniel De Los Santos. The other times he's appeared, he's been so-so. Now granted, he's probably ahead of schedule in terms of his development. Ranger Suarez hasn't been that tremendously impressive in the early going since his his call-up. Drew Anderson hasn't been that impressive in his time in the major leagues. So those are the three guys they have on the forty man roster. Cole Irvin, one of the best pitchers in minor league baseball this year. It was a triple A for the Phillies. Now we're gonna we're gonna talk about him. We're gonna have uh, we're gonna have Pat McCarthy of the Iron Pigs on this show a little bit. Tell us all about Cole Irvin's tremendous season. Uh, but he's a left handed starter that I would argue should be making some starts here in September. Ahead of somebody. Right now, I would say Zach Eflin is the weakest link, and you can't play Zach Eflin anymore. The Phillies need to do a lot better than winning one Nola start a series and, and everything else from there. Now, the Phillies got some good news thanks to the weather. Okay, well, actually, they got good news before Sunday's game thanks to the weather. The Mets opted not to start. Jacob DeGrom. So the Phillies were supposed to see this week Jacob DeGrom, Max Scherzer. So that means, thanks to the weather, the Nationals are going to bump Scherzer, it appears. Scherzer will not start on Monday. Instead, Eric Fetty I know that's a name. you're that's a household name. Rookie with a six ERA is going to face the Phillies on Monday against Jake Arrieta, and as of now, Tuesday is still listed as Tanner Roark, who the Phillies at times have been pretty strong against. So they miss Scherzer. Okay, so that that's good news. All right, But, four and a half games out. Now, what usually seems to happen is the Phillies get this far out and then they find a way to pick up a game or two. Now, if the Phillies are going to pick up any games this week, the, the San Francisco Giants will have to defeat the Braves. And, and And really, the San Francisco Giants have been a tremendous disappointment this year. I don't know that the Phillies are going to be able to to really gain any ground, uh, even if they play well against the Nationals this week now at least the Phillies are home Phillies have shown that they played much much better at home now they're going to play their next nine contests at home they've got the Nationals for three a day off on Thursday three against the Marlins three against the Mets alright so they're playing the non Braves and at least the next nine games Then their final stretch of 11 games, they will face the Braves seven times, first with four on the road in Atlanta, then four against Colorado in Colorado before the Braves close it out in Philly at home. So let's do some math, all right? So four and a half games out, so you think, okay, well, the Phillies still have seven games to to make up on the Braves. And certainly, we'll be all hands on deck and they'll use every player that they have during those series. But for the Phillies to gain substantial ground, think of it this way. If you win, if you go four and three, okay, let's say so you, so you win more games than you lose to the Braves, you pick up one game. Four and three, and that's you one game. Five and two. Nets you three games, Phillies still aren't there. If you go six and one, yes, you'll pick, you'll make up five games, but that's asking a whole lot. Now the Nationals and, and Cubs get rained out on Sunday. Phillies and Mets play through it. Can't take advantage of Jacob Degrom being snatched from the game at the very last minute, so. So we'll see. You know, the Phillies have, have gotten a couple breaks, many breaks here, uh, but they've yet to take advantage of them. So it'll be very, very interesting to see what happens going forward. And as of now, Thursday is Strasburg versus Nola. So, pardon me, that's Wednesday, not Thursday. So Phillies face, again, Fetty, Roark, Strasburg, no Scherzer. So they will not see Scherzer the rest of the season. Lucky break. The question is will they take advantage of this? That has always been the question with the Phillies. You know, they think you, we, we can say frequently, yes, well, there will be an opportunity to gain some ground here, and they don't do it. Now, really fast, looking at the Braves' next stretch, before they they meet the Phillies, they've got three against the Giants, three against the Nationals, and by the way, they will face Max Scherzer, and then three against the surging St. Louis Cardinals. Now, I hate to say it, the Braves have have a tougher schedule than the Phillies until they meet. But while the Phillies are playing four against the Colorado Rockies, who will be fighting for their own playoff spot. The Braves have an extra game off, and they're going to face the Mets for three in New York. Now, granted, the Braves can run up against Jacob DeGrom. Now, we'll have to see how the Mets pitch de DeGrom now, because he didn't start today. I don't know when they're going to start him next. Maybe the Phillies end up seeing him in Philly. I guess it depends on how warmed up he got. I guess with the case of Scherzer, he warmed up uh enough um that they and then they I I I gotta get the full story there. Uh but bottom line is the Phillies miss out on Scherzer. So uh, while it's not fair to say this is all decided, the odds are very much stacked against the Phillies at this point. Now, the Phillies did start talking about playoff tickets for f- being for sale. I know they have to do it well enough in advance, but it's not a good look when you're a team collapsing as much as the Phillies have been lately. Haven't won a series since the series that opened the month of August. And now we welcome in Tim Kelly. Now, Tim... Would this team have been better off winning the National League East or falling short and seeing some of the players' true colors, ones that you might not want to bring back to this team next year?
1: Well, the Phillies, regardless of whether they win the division or not, and I think it would be foolish at this point to altogether rule them out when they play the Braves uh, seven times in the last 11 games, I believe it is, so... I think it would be foolish to rule them out, but I also think regardless of how they play in the last few weeks, it's hard to overlook what the last four or five weeks have been. So I think it's possible to get the best of both worlds where the Phillies make the playoffs, but you still look at these four or five weeks and say, you can't just ignore the stretch. Now, I think the likelihood of them making the playoffs at this point isn't high, so that makes the discussion even easier to have, but... Yeah, I mean, I think you're on to something, but I also think there's kind of an in-between you can land at.
0: Now let's start talking about the starting rotation first. Now I was a little critical of the Phillies at July 31st that they denied a starter. Now I was not one pushing for Cole Hamels for sentimental reasons. Uh, you know, I thought maybe somebody like Hamels might have, you know, kind of helped rally the team and think, oh, wow, they got us a World Series MVP and the crowd would have been all into things. Uh, but, but really, I would have been happy to see them get any type of starter because, I mean, let's face it, even if Eflin, Velasquez, and Pavetta did not struggle the way that they've struggled since the All-Star break, still, if one of them had gotten to hurt, the Phillies really don't have a lot of depth to, to really fill in behind them. So, so what would you make of these three starters, and how many of them would you bring back next year?
1: I think they're going to be back with the Phillies in some form next year. I mean, you mentioned Cole Hamels. I I was kind of—I wouldn't say I was opposed to that, but I I would certainly count myself in the group that was wrong. Now, I I don't think anyone could have foreseen him putting together this type of stretch. I think that that's just wishful thinking if you believe he was going to be this good. But you're right that I think there was a part of me at the deadline or around that time that felt like the five that the Phillies were trotting out had a very good chance to be the five that opened the 2019 season. And I think at this point you have to vary. uh You're going to have to look both on the trade market and in free agency, yet potentially adding other options. Now, there's still a lot of things I like about all three of those guys, both as starters or potential relievers. In the case of uh, Nick Pavetta and Vince Velasquez, but I mean, I think Nick Pavetta is in that rotation next year because his highs were very high, and it's hard to just give up on that. Not sure what happens with Velasquez and Eflon. Both of them, if they're in the rotation to start next year, that doesn't bother me. But what has happened is it's made it so all three of those guys are not locks to return to the rotation next year. You're going to look at external options probably harder than you would have around the trade deadline.
0: Now I'm going to ask this to Pat McCarthy, who's going to join us shortly, who works for the Iron Pigs. Now Cole Irvin had a heck of a season at AAA. Would you bring him up right now to try to get some wins out of this starting rotation that maybe he's not getting right now?
1: He's an option. Ranger Suarez is an option. We saw Eniel Taylor Santos. I'm not sure how much of an upgrade you're going to get from someone who's also that young. And again, it goes back to the trade deadline where maybe they should have added a veteran presence. And I think it was something at the deadline. I looked at it, and I thought they have a lot of these young guys. They have four or five guys for three spots that are capable of filling these three spots. Unfortunately, Eflin, Velasquez, and Pavetta have been inconsistent, to put it nicely, since the All-Star break. and It was hard to see, I think, all three of them performing this way or how they have since the trade deadline. It's also, um, I, I, I think the Phillies are in a situation where they're trying to balance winning and developing talent, and they have developed talent, and all three of these guys may be better for having gone through second half that they've gone through but again it doesn't help the Phillies now and it doesn't make you sure that come 2019 they're going to be ready for you to compete to make the playoffs
0: let's talk about the lineup for a second now when we when we actually talked last week I asked the question now did the Phillies dare actually give Carlos Santana some starts at third base and guess what he started three games at third base this week uh you know they 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 pulled him after the second inning today basically or, or after Boer had his second at bat uh, so so you kind of wonder that they' are you kind of think that the Phillies aren't going to consider using Santana in that role time uh, on any type of a semi long term basis even. but uh, but looking around the lineup, I mean, it seems like right now Carlos Santana has been the, the lone offensive force on this team, and the others you still see some some inconsistency. So uh, of those players that were in the starting lineup this season and have become question marks, Who do you try to keep? Who do you you maybe consider trying to get another option?
1: The Phillies are in a very difficult position with Carlos Santana because they are paying him a decent amount of money. They could afford to do that because they had so much financial flexibility. And I think you and I are both on the same page with Carlos Santana in terms of him having an unlucky offensive season, hitting into a lot of bad luck. He had some uncharacteristic bad stretches in the field but largely has been an upgrade over what they've had, I I think, in the last 10 to 15 years in terms of fielding at first base. And he's a better fielding first baseman than Reese Hoskins. The problem is you're a team who has not fielded well. Reese Hoskins is going to be on the team in some juncture for the foreseeable future. And it's become more and more apparent to me and I think to everyone that it just has not worked out in left field. It's not even like a Pat Burrell situation where maybe you can make it work because... You have a team overall that hasn't fielded well, so you're kind of adding insult to injury by continuing to play him in left field. So they're in a tough position with Carlos Santana. He's someone that on an American League team you would love to have because you could D.H. Reese Hoskins and have Carlos Santana play first base, but I think you may have to uh, deal Carlos Santana, eat a lot of that money to allow Reese Hoskins to come back to first base, and to me that doesn't say anything negative about Carlos Santana, it says that Reese Hoskins is a natural first baseman. He's probably a, a best geared to be a DH, but that's not an option for you in the NL right now. So they're in a situation where they're going to have to make a decision there. I think they're going to have to make a decision on being a better fielding team. Michael Franco has put himself in a position where they're not going to go out and upgrade with someone like Mike is like some thought was an option, uh, earlier in the summer, but they're not necessarily locked into him playing third base. Scott Kingrey's improved it short, but hasn't hit this year. Odubo Herrera is going to be a very difficult decision, and we've looked at this a ton. The problem is uh, Roman Quinn has been banged up a couple different times now since he's been back, so really I'm not sure how you could count on him going into the season, so this is something I'm looking at this week in an article. I think we've always looked at this offseason as the offseason of Manny Machado and Bryce Harper, but really that's just going to be the tip of the iceberg on what Matt Klintak has to do to put this team in a position to be a contender next year, not a contender in a year where the division's weak, a contender in a year where you're assuming the Nationals have some sort of bounce back, the Braves continue to improve, and you're really competing to win 90-plus games to make the playoffs.
0: And how much do you think they would actually need to eat of a salary from Santana? Now, it sounded like that the Indians were willing to go 15 a year. Phillies went 20 a year. Uh, I could even see a team like the Indians happily taking him back for if, if, the, if they can get closer to their number that they were going to give to begin with.
1: It's tough to tell. It's going to depend on what type of market it is. because even if the Indians were willing to do that next year, they know that the Phillies are in a situation here where they don't have a ton of leverage In trying to move Carlos Santana. So it's going to depend how much of a market it is. Carlos Santana is extremely respected around the league. The Phillies came out and just offered him way more money annually than other teams are willing to do. But there are a lot of teams, the Indians included, that were interested in either retaining Carlos Santana or signing him because he's a productive player. I think he does probably fit better in an American League setting but he's a productive player and he's one of the better clubhouse influences. And that's something that doesn't show up statistically that I think has been lost in this season is the impact that he's had on guys like Mike Alfranco. So it's going to be tough to see, and it's kind of one of those things. I know some people, uh, sports radio callers, are going to be excited about the prospect of moving him, even if it comes at having to eat a lot of money. But when I look at it, it's kind of you're biting your tongue to move him because you know Reese Hoskins is one of the biggest pieces of your future, and he's best suited of the available options to you in the National League to be at first base.
0: And the Indians ultimately end up replacing him with Yonder Alonso, who he's actually performed kind of about where Carlos Santana has, a little little less of an OPS, but a lot of the, the batting average, 241, 22 homers, 76 RBI, uh, so he he's kind of given them what he what the – Excuse me, what the Indians have gotten from Santana over the years. Now, let's take a look then at the uh, relief core. Now, we, we know that John Middleton is going to, uh, or, he, or as he told me at spring training, has some names circled in this offseason. Uh, might someone like Craig Kimbrell be one of them to maybe kind of shore up the back of this bullpen?
1: It's entirely possible that he's one of them. I, I, I'm always hesitant with paying closers on the other side of 30, and he may end up being the anomaly. He has a career right now that's on track for the Hall of Fame. Unfortunately, a lot of relievers do that into their early 30s, and what makes a Hall of Fame reliever is someone that can do it into their mid and late 30s, like Trevor Hoffman and Mariano Rivera could, because Jonathan Papabon, he kind of could have made the same case, and he had a probably a better four years in Philadelphia than I think most people would be willing to give him credit for. He's all-time leader in saves, but I'm hesitant to pay relievers. I think Sir Anthony Dominguez is a great weapon out of the bullpen. I think you have pieces in Adubray Ramos and Hector Neres that, when they're on, are very effective. Austin Davis has had a very good season, so the bullpen may be an area where and this is kind of how bullpens always are. They're difficult to predict where you make more under-the-radar upgrades and you spend your money instead on potentially adding a number three starter or you know, obviously the, the bigger names out there, Manny Machado, Bryce Harper, so adding guys like that, and you hold on to that money, see where you're at midseason, and if you're in contention and that's a need for you, then you make a play for one of the major relievers potentially available. If, if someone like, like Brad Hand was this summer becomes available next year and you're more in a situation where you're ready to win, then maybe I think that's the better way of looking at things.
0: Now the Phillies have three against Washington, three against Miami, and then three against the Mets to kind of close out this this homestand that they're coming home to before they have that, as we've frequently talked about, stretch where they have seven of their last 11 against Atlanta with four against Colorado, who may be pushing for a playoff spot up to that last minute when the Phillies play them what's a reasonable expectation for this team to win the rest of the way?
1: It's difficult to say because right now they're in a situation where you look at them and think they're going to win one out of three almost regardless of who they're playing. They're at 74 wins now. I think a reasonable expectation is that is to finish above 500. Um, e- even with how much they've struggled recently, they're still, what, uh, six games above 500. So I think breaking that streak and going 82-80, and 83-79, 80, at the very least. that's a, you, you can look at the season and say they took baby steps, and really it's not even baby steps. It's a 15-plus win improvement. It is difficult, I understand, to swallow in a year where the division is so winnable. The Nationals fell off a cliff and had an a extremely disappointing season. But uh, I, I think that's the reasonable expectation. I, I've been saying that for a couple weeks now. I don't think this is a team with the way they've played recently that's going to go into Colorado for four games and perform very well, I don't think it's a team that's going to win five out of seven against Atlanta. It's entirely possible, but that just doesn't seem likely to me. So likely at this point, or realistic, is hoping that they break the streak of seven seasons, not above 81 and 81, and most of those were you know, in the 60s and low 70s.
0: And, of course, if you win five out of seven against Atlanta, you've only picked up three games. And, of course, the Phillies are behind more than that as of this conversation. Now, one last thing. You mentioned about, the, about kind of not taking advantage of the, the, the division being a little bit weaker this season. But for me, the biggest disappointment is that they are not taking advantage of this season by Aaron Nola. Now, what can we expect from Aaron Nola in the future? Because while we probably think he's going to be very good, Will he ever be this good?
1: He may be this good one or two other times in his career. He's only 25, so it's difficult for me to say with the amount of of different pitches he has and the way he's able to mix things up and attack hitters and make it look like he's playing wiffle ball that he won't put together other seasons like this. But, I mean, even Roy Halladay, and granted he was pitching in the AL East, he didn't pitch every season like he did in 2003 or 2010 or 2011. There were other seasons where you have a 260 ERA, you're still an ace, you're very good, but you're not this good. So I think you come into next season thinking this is a legitimate number one, but probably not thinking he's going to have an ERA around 220 or 230 at the beginning of September. That's probably the most realistic. And with that, you hope that he stays healthy because that's kind of something we've all forgotten about and that's great and it's awesome that he's been healthy so hopefully that continues but uh, it does put pressure on you then to say we don't know exactly what Jake Arrieta is going to be moving forward it's difficult to even evaluate what he's been this season and as much as you would like Nick Pavetta to continue to take steps and you would like some of the other you may need to add a more stabilizing force knowing that Aaron Noah is going to be very good but probably not quite this good.
0: Tim Kelly, we thank you for your time.
1: Thank you, Frank.
0: Up next, we'll talk the Iron Pigs winning season, which just ended in the playoffs on Saturday with Pat McCarthy, media relations and broadcast assistant. And we're now pleased to welcome Pat McCarthy, who is the Media Relations and Broadcast Assistant for the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. Uh, this is first year with the Iron Pigs after spending last year with the AA Reading Fightin' Phils. Patrick, how are you?
2: I'm good, Frank. How are you doing?
0: Doing well, thank you. And, and the Iron Pigs had a very, very nice season this year. Now, they just mm-hmm. got eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, we're going to gonna air this on Monday, but if you're, if you're listening to this later, they just ended on Sunday. Excuse me, Saturday. I got to see, I told you, I got to get my day straight, right? Uh, ju- just ended on Saturday after a very promising season. And, and, and Pat, can you tell us a little bit about how they did this playoffs? Yeah,
2: yeah, it was, uh, I mean, it was a tough playoff series and you knew it was going to as soon as you saw that the Rail Riders had kind of um, rallied back at the end of the season to leapfrog the rest of the teams for the wild card. Um, so you knew going into it, you knew you were going to have to go up to music for two games, and t- as Matt Province calls it, he calls it the House of Horrors up there, just because never nothing ever seems to go right for the Pigs at PNC Field. Um, <laughs> yeah, game one, uh, you know, bottom of the ninth inning, tied up at two. The Pigs had rallied back to make it a you know really close game in game one. Daniel de los Santos, it was really good. Six and third innings. Um, and you know, Mark Payton comes up who hadn't hit a home run against a left-hander all year facing Tyler Gilbert, a left-hander who hadn't allowed a home run to a left-hander all year and you know he rips one right into a right field for a home run to win the game for uh, Game 1 for the Rail Riders so, and Game 1 was a tough one, So the, but you know you knew going into the first games in Musick you were going to send De Los Santos and Irvin to the mound, so you put yourself in a good position to win two, at least one of those games probably two of those games, uh, and the starters didn't disappoint the entire, the entire series, and yeah, Irvin in game two gave the Pigs really strong seven innings, uh, allowed just two runs. One was a home run to Francisco Diaz that quite literally hit off the top of the wall and deflected over. So and there's just always things that went wrong for the Pigs, it seemed like, in this series. Nestor Cortez, who they had just knocked around for five runs a week earlier, took a no-hitter into the eighth inning, seven and a third, hit without a hit For Andrew Knapp was able to lace a single. That only ended up being the only hit of the ball game. For the Iron Pigs, and then from there on, it, you know, once you're down two games to nothing, uh, it can make it very difficult to come back in a best-of-five series. But the Pigs put the best foot forward, um, you know, able to come back and win uh, in walk-off fashion at Coca-Cola Park in Game 3, and then we're one out away from forcing a Game 5 on Saturday with two outs in the top of the ninth inning, and Quentin Berry on second base, who literally comes in as a pinch runner for the Rail Riders, off on the pitch, uh Bayato gets shane robinson to ground off the middle great stop by dean anna and robinson's able to beat the throw out barry comes all the way around the score to tie it up two to one and then a uh, grand slam by bruce caldwell in the top of the 10th inning kind of sealed it for the rail riders and unfortunately ended the iron Pick season and it was one of the best if not the best iron Pick season that they've had in their 11 year history you know the top winning percentage you know you sweep the major awards it was a lot of fun to be a part of
0: yeah they had a Ten game lead. Now fans don't realize this. They had a ten game lead over the Rail Riders to win their division. When that—that's pretty. Mm-hmm. That's pretty impressive at any level. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> so yeah. now the the Iron Pigs, though, towards the playoffs, they were a little depleted, right? A lot of them ended mm-hmm. up in Philadelphia, huh?
2: Yeah. Yeah, and not only that, when when the Phillies decided to make a lot of those moves, it ended up needing to clear a lot of forty man spots, and a lot of those guys ended up being relievers that were a big part of. Uh, The Iron Pigs bullpen, you know, at September 1, we lost Aaron Altair. We lost Dylan Cousins, Yaxel Rios, who we knew we were going to lose. Eventually lost Andrew Knapp and then Mitch Walding at the end of the year. But it was guys that you lost like Zach Curtis, Jake Thompson, uh, Hobie Milner. At one point, the Iron Pigs bullpen was going Rios to Ramos to Neris to Beato. So from the sixth inning on, if you were leading you had guys that were getting high-quality major league outs pitching out of your AAA bullpen. So I think we were really spoiled, it was a great season. But you know that come September 1, there's going to be moves, and the Phillies needed those extra arms, and those guys pitched their way back into the big leagues. Um, But, you know, we still had a good core group that got us into the playoffs. And I think, although the series necessarily didn't start the way the Pigs wanted and finish the way, the games ended up being competitive in a series and in an iron rail series that they're supposed to because you knew that both teams were going to battle every single night
0: now let's talk for a second about some of those awards as you mentioned their sweep let's first about manager gary jones you know he's a guy who was on the major league coaching staff of the chicago cubs wins a world series with them and then now he finds himself in a role he hasn't been in in a while which is a triple a manager so can you tell us a little bit about the job gary jones did this year
2: I mean, Gary was phenomenal. He was amazing to work with. The guys all really seemed to like him. Uh, he is completely laid back. He was great for that culture, but he was such a strong baseball guy. And, and Gary, it's there's a reason he's on Major League Coaching staffs. So this was his fifth Manager of the Year award in 16 seasons as a Minor League Manager. So, everywhere he goes, Gary brings a winning attitude, and uh, Gary was the perfect guy for this clubhouse, the guy that kept the guys loose, but made sure that they were winning, and Matt province and I talked about it a lot. The one thing that we were so impressed with Gary Jones is that he managed to win ball games even at the A level, where we know it's all about development. You want guys to get their at-bats, get their work in, but, hey, Gary was not afraid to pinch hit in the ninth inning, even if it was an American League game or pinch run uh, when you needed that go-ahead run out there or you needed to tie a game, so Gary was a lot of fun. He was the perfect guy for this job. Um, and the Phillies are very lucky to have him. I, I was so happy for Gary.
0: Now let's talk about the next one, Joey Meneses. They, they yeah. you know, this is a guy that spent six years in the Atlanta Brave system, never got above Double A. Really, this was his first year as as a Triple A player, which seems which seems kind of odd if you spend that long with yeah. with an organization. But he he ends up taking home hitter of the year and rookie of the year. So tell us a little bit about Joey Meneses.
2: Uh, Joey is a guy that really came out of nowhere. He didn't sign until February 1. He had never played above Mississippi. And I think what the amazing thing is with Joey is that last year he set his career high on home runs at nine. And then all of a sudden this year explodes for 23 home runs. And the tear that he went on was absolutely amazing. I mean, there was times when he was hitting upwards in the 320s. And we thought, he has to come down eventually. You know, There's no way he's this good and slipped through the cracks. But he was. You know, A low point in Joey Manessis was when he hit 280 in a month. I mean, you'll take that out of the middle of your order any time of the week. You know, 43 uh, multi-hit games. He set an Iron Pigs record with that. Uh, you know, he was threatening for a triple crown. It would have been the first IL triple crown since 1974 when Jim Rice did it for Pawtucket. So good company for Joey. And, and he was a guy that, you know, the first month of the season wasn't playing every single day just because of some of the guys that we had there. Uh, through that month of April. But once he got the opportunity to be in the lineup every day, uh, he never left that four hole. I mean, it seemed like maybe he got off every seventh day. And even then, that was a rarity. So Joey put on an unbelievable year, uh, and he was such a luxury to have. And, you know, it was just so funny. You would talk to opposing broadcasters. They're like, "Where? who is Joey Manessis? Where has he come from? And how did you guys land with him? Um, you know, a guy that's never played above double A, never hit more than nine home runs. And all of a sudden, ends up being the best pitch and the best position player in the international league. It's an incredible story.
0: Now he played 96 games at first base and 30 in the outfield. Now, mm-hmm. where, where do you think the future uh, has for Manessas? and you, can he be a major leaguer? Because you know, there's a lot of guys. If you look through Philly's history, they've had a lot of players who are very, very good at AAA. You know, I even think back when I was a kid, like the, the likes of John Zuber, you know, who always mm-hmm. seemed to hit three three hundred playing first base for for the then-Red uh, Barons up in Scranton-Wilkes-Barre. Uh, but is, is he that kind of guy that never really gets to leave AAA, or, or does he have a shot at making the Major League someday still?
2: Yeah, Joey's 26 years old. I think he, he still has time, I and mean, it was only his first year in AAA. I, I think if he gets 300 at in the Major League level, I'm not going to say he's going to hit 23 home runs, because you know, it's hard to project that. But I think if Joey gets an opportunity at the Major Leagues, I don't know if he's necessarily going to be an everyday player, but he's a guy that destroys left-handed pitching. I mean, he had 346 against left-handers this year. I mean, it was absolutely off the charts. Um, So he could be a really nice right-handed piece off a bench for a team. A guy that can go out there and play a pretty good first base. Um, You can throw him in right field if you need to. It's definitely not his number one position, I think, is if he's going to play anywhere at the Major League level, it is going to be first base. But I don't have a doubt in my mind that Joey could one day impact at the Major League level.
0: And we'll see. Maybe there's room in spring training next year for the Phillies to perhaps give him a shot. And I know... A lot of Iron Pigs fans, at least on Twitter, we're, we're, we're calling for the Phillies to bring him up this September. Yeah. But due to due to roster crunches, that might not be so easy. Now, yeah. another another person you might say uh, may not be so easy to find a space for, though I think they could is is our third award winner, which is pitcher Cole Irvin. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about Cole Irvin. I mean, if you if you look at his numbers. They're incredibly impressive. He's a left-handed yeah. starter, something that the Phillies don't have on the major league level, and they haven't had for a while. So, so, so tell us about first the season that he had, and, and where you think he can go.
2: Yeah, I mean Cole's rocketed through the system. A fifth-round pick out of Oregon, and it, it, I mean what he's done. You know, he started in Williamsport, jumped right to Clearwater, then made the jump to Double A last year. I think back in the winter when he was received a non-roster invite, I think a lot of people thought that. You know, it was going to be good for him to get some exposure in big league camp, but then probably he was going to start the year back in Reading, at least, you know, for the first month or so, just because he didn't know who was going to be in the Iron Pigs starting rotation, just with guys getting hurt, and Brandon Liebrandt moving to the uh, bullpen. so for Cole, I mean, his first AAA outing against the Rail Riders, he goes out and strikes out 10, which ended up being the season high for an Iron Pig starter. So he really set the tone early. Uh, he went on to win seven consecutive decisions. The Iron Pigs were 10-0 and and 10 starts at one point for him. So he's a guy that's going to go out and compete every single night. You expect seven innings at him every single time. He led the IL in wins, led the IL in ERA, finished third in strikeouts. So we talked so much about Joey Meneses winning a batting triple crown. Little did we know that Cole Irvin was flying under the radar the entire time towards a pitching triple crown, winning two of the three categories um, and kind of just leapfrogging over Aniel De Los Santos at the last week when it came to that I, uh, ERA lead. So, I mean, Cole is a guy that his fastball is not going to light up the radar gun. It's 91 to 93, really good breaking ball, really solid changeup. He could throw all three for strikes, and he's a bulldog out there. He's a prototypical low-90s left-hander who is going to mix speeds really well. He's going to challenge hitters, and he's going to miss bats, and he's going to miss barrels. Um, So I I think the Phillies have a a really nice piece in Cole Irvin, and I think – you know, I think he's ready for the big leagues, and, and I think it just comes down to a numbers game that there's just not really a 40-man roster spot for him right now, just purely because he doesn't have to be protected until next season. Uh, so if they had to clear a 40-man spot for him, I don't think it would be a waste by any means, because I think he could compete at the big league level right now. Uh, I don't have a doubt in my mind he'll be back in spring training next year as a non-roster invitee, and then you know, probably pitching in Philadelphia by the uh, early sum- summer next year, if not sooner.
0: Yeah, so by by my math, okay, I'm I'm looking at the Phillies' 40-man roster, and the one spot where I think there might be room for one player, and that is with Aaron Loop, who is on the mm-hmm. 10-day disabled list. Uh, we haven't heard any updates about whether or not he might even make it back this season. So, if you think someone like Loop isn't going to make it back in time, that could potentially clear a spot for somebody if you put him on the 60-day DL. Mm-hmm. Now, who would you spend that on if you had to put uh, put that roster spot in the hands of Meneses or Irvin or anybody yeah. else?
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it would be interesting. I think it, a lot of it would also come down to the other guys that you have on the 40-man roster. If you don't want to use Suarez, De Los Santos, or Anderson for more innings, maybe that's when you do use it on an arm, whether that's Cole Irvin or whether that's like a Pedro Beato. But then you have options, too, if you want to use it on a position player, is whether you want to use that spot on Joey Meneses. you want to put Trevor Pluth back on the 40-man roster. You could put Jess Walt Valentin valentine back on the 40-man roster. So I think it gives you plenty of options with guys based on purely what your need is. Um, yeah, I would love for any of those guys that aren't on the 40-man right now to get an opportunity to because they all deserve it. Um, so, yeah, I think in, a lot of it, it really depends on the guys that you have on there right now. I mean, there was a lot of speculation that there was a good chance that with the Pigs losing yesterday, that they were going to have 39 guys in New York. Um, outside of Loop, obviously, on the 10-day DL. So if they decide to move Loop to the 60-day, I think it gives you plenty of options, whether you want another bat off the bench in a Joey Manessis and just kind of give him a shot and reward him for winning the IL MVP and winning the Rookie of the Year, or if you want a veteran uh, or a guy with more experience like a Valentine or a Trevor Plouffe, or if you want to go in terms of pitching and um, maybe add like a veteran reliever like a Beato or a Cole Irvin. So I, I think they, they have plenty of room to work with, And it's going to come down to what is the need uh, when they put Lupa, if they put Lupa on the 60-day.
0: Now let's talk for a second then about the three that are are on the 40-man roster. So it's Eniel De Los Santos, Drew Anderson, and Ranger Suarez. Now, are any of those guys kind of tired having pitched this much? I mean, this is the most that they've ever really pitched in a season, I would imagine. And maybe Anderson last year came close uh, since he was into the playoffs uh, with the Iron Pigs as well. Uh, But, uh do you think that they have anything left in the tank that can help the Phillies down this stretch run?
2: Yeah, uh, you know, Drew missed the first month because of injuries. So I think, if of anybody in terms of limiting limits, Drew would be the number one that um, has the most to give. You uh, know, was up and down a couple times just when, you know, when the Phillies needed him. So uh, he hasn't missed a ton of starts. And then Suarez has probably pitched the most out of all of them just between pitching at the three levels. So if anybody probably has the most available, I would imagine it would be Drew
0: and we will see so the season just ended and the Phillies have not come back home to Philly maybe when they do come back to Philly tomorrow we we will see some of those players so mm-hmm. so now you can have an off season so tell us a little bit about what you're spending your off season doing
2: yeah so uh college football seasons beginning in full swing so i'll uh for the fall i'll be uh, broadcasting the Princeton Tigers home games on the uh for them and then once basketball season kicks off i'll be back in my third year uh, filling in for some Princeton men's hoops and then uh, my second year doing the St. Joe's women's games and then helping out Matt Martucci with the men's teams when he needs me to. So full off season, ready to go, but uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. When
0: well, you get a vacation in there?
2: <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, hopefully.
0: <laughs> well, we thank you with that busy schedule that you're about to embark in for taking a few minutes to chat with us. So, Pat McCarthy, thank you very much. No, Thanks, Frank. I appreciate it. And that'll do it for this Phillies Nation podcast, episode 54. Be sure to check everything out. Tim Kelly's work at philliesnation.com. Check out sportstalkphilly.com and 97.3 ESPN when you're down the shore or at 97.3 ESPN.com. We're on Alexa, so you can always download our app and listen to my Phillies work on 97.3 ESPN been a blast. I will catch you next week. We shall see how the Phillies do.